0: And welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. We are in the vineyard here with Gordy Veneery of Walla Walla Vintners. And um, coming up on the show, well, I should say this. uh, There are other podcasts and and great library interviews that will... um, I have the pleasure of interviewing Casey McClellan here today as well. But back to Gordy, we have a 2011 Estate Syrah. It says Walla Walla Valley. So this is your Syrah. Tell us about it.
1: Right. Okay. Well, this Syrah is... um Planted right next to the winery uh, here, at, here uh, up Mill Creek Road, as we talked about earlier. And before I talk about this specific Syrah, I will say one thing about Syrah and Walla Walla Vintners is we never started out to be a winery that did Syrah. In fact, I said earlier, we did the Bordeaux grapes. Then we did the Italian grapes, Sangiovese. We started doing that in 99. A couple of years ago, we added the Dolcetto as an Italian grape. And we always thought that we would not be Syrah people. Now, don't ask me why. It's kind of, you know, we go back we go round and round. But lo and behold, when we planted our estate vineyard in 2008, we still, for whatever reason, decided to plant two acres of Syrah. So we have two clones, we have an acre of each up here. We have the Joseph Phelps clone and the Tablas Creek clone. And uh, one acre of each. This is a blend of the two clones uh, that, we're plant, that were planted in 08, this is the 11 vintage. Now, the other thing about Syrah that I'm sure many of you know is Syrah is one of those grapes that really reflects the terroir uh, and where terroir or, or, or where it's grown. So, and I think sometimes in the wine world, us winemakers, we have debates about this styles of Syrah, where they're grown, and whatever. So even within Walla Walla, just a little AVA of Walla Walla, um, there's different styles of Syrah and different flavor components based on where they are grown. So like more, fam- more recently there's the famous uh, Syrahs that come from in the rocks that are grown in big cobbles more in the uh, southwest part of Walla Walla. This Syrah, in contrast, is a higher elevation Syrah. It's up here at 1200 feet above sea level. It's in windblown lusts, very rich soils, uh, there's no rocks here, unfortunately, uh, for some of you who like rocks. But uh, there, it is a Syrah that's going to be very different. So it's fun for us to look at those differences and try to figure out sometimes. Uh, it's a very entertaining uh, uh, day when you're trying to figure out why different Syrahs have different characteristics. It's that, true. Because, So that being said, this is a higher elevation, windblown lust style. Later ripening Syrah than some of the other stuff, and the clones you spoke about, the Joseph Phelps and the Tablas Creek, those
0: are primarily the two dominant or predominant clones throughout uh, the United States, right? California. I mean, Joseph Phelps is in California, and Tablas Creek obviously is in the Rhone Valley.
1: Yeah, exactly. So those, yes. And Wait,
0: I'm sorry. Creek Creek's in California, but they got their cuttings from Bo Castel, right?
1: I believe so. I, yeah. Don't don't hold me on that. But <laughs> yes, I, I was going to say Talvis Creek is California and Joseph Phelps. But of course, you know, in the great world, you know, they were probably brought over from Europe, obviously somewhere and uh, I'm not sure whether Joseph Phelps clone originated in Europe, but they've since it's been here They've called it the Joseph Phelps clone, you know, so I don't know about the history of that But it's pretty common yeah.
0: right and so what, what I'm really enjoying about uh, the 2011 vintage I think it's a it's a landmark or watershed or um, a pinnacle vintage for Washington State because I think the structure here around the state It was a cooler year. It was a longer ripening year correct and the, the structure in these wines are, will be long-lived. I mean, these wines will have all the bells and whistles that you need, everything for a good cellaring, and um, they're just ripe. They are c- consistently ripe, but their acidity is uh, is natural and it's a little elevated, which makes it fresh and bright and juicy.
1: Right? Yeah, I think the yes, uh, you're correct about the '11 vintage, Chris. It's uh, it was a little cooler vintage. The fruit had even longer time. To hang on the vines because of the coolness, and it really developed a lot of structure, a lot of tannins, but yet lots of flavors. Um, I think the Syrah from the higher elevation areas are, you know, classic Syrahs from uh, uh, from let's say maybe the northern part of France. You know, more similar to the, the northern Rhone. The northern, yeah, uh, yeah the northern Rhone. Uh, part of uh, France uh, Like I guess the Cote de Roti maybe. Cote is, Roti is, is, and the is...
0: Hermitage and the Crows Hermitage. Yeah. Um, yeah, and those wines or those areas benefit from some elevation. Obviously, they have a different soil composition with the, the granite schist, mm-hmm. uh, but also a lot of wind, so it keeps that acidity uh, lively. This wine uh, is very aromatic. Um, the sense of, of lavender, uh, rosemary, um, a touch of smoke, Uh, licorice violets there's a lot of aromatics coming off of this and then the fruit is really a dark black purple fruit profile it's a black plum and loganberry, and um even more concentrated dried the 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 flavor here is is really powerful
1: yeah it's it's we're really happy with this syrah it's 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 a very big syrah and the one thing that i get is like you said i agree with everything you said on on the description i think it was perfect um you know, it's a combination of the of like the savory and the fruit, you know, where some Syrahs are all savory, some are all fruit. Uh this one is a, a really nice balance between the let's say savory components, you know, like that you mentioned, the uh, roasted meats, uh eggplant, but then also the fruits. The one thing I noticed too, and and uh I is is that I think it really jumps out is the spicy pepper. I think it has a real white slash black pepper. Uh, characteristic. I agree. Too, that yeah, it's know, there. It really, I mean, there's there. so
0: much going on yeah. in this class. Yeah. <laughs> we'll need more time to get yeah. the descriptors out.
1: And, and this is one I think will age nicely, too, because especially with the 11 vintage, it was a really balanced uh, vintage, and it's going to be a very age-worthy wine.
0: So. I think, um, you know, looking at the landscape, and you've been in the business for almost 20 years now, uh, remember when Syrah kind of came out? It was, um, uh, who's the guy who's dictated or made an edict that Washington was the next best place for Syrah in the world, agreeable or not, not agreeable, and then the state jumped at it and said, okay, we're going to make our living on Syrah now. Um, but what I found was that the vines were so young at the time, and then we were really a bordeaux style winemaking uh, community. So we ended up putting tons of new oak. Two years of new French oak on all these Syrahs and they came out at 35 bucks 40 bucks because you had to pay for the vineyard you had to pay for all the barrels and the wines weren't necessarily close to being any good because you had so much chew on them from the oak. What's your uh, impression of the legacy of Syrah or what I'm trying to say is that 10 years, 15 years later, we figured it out.
1: Yeah, yeah I, think it's, I think it's definitely getting better, and people are starting to study it. Uh, one of the guys I have to give a lot of credit for that I recently talked to is Rich Funk from Savaya. He's a real student of of Syrah as far as where it's grown, what characteristics you get from where it's grown, winemaking styles. And I think that's also, to be honest with you, from talking to retailers, that's been one of the reasons uh, sometimes the consumer, there's been some consumer confusion about Syrah because when they buy a bottle of Syrah, they're not sure what they're going to get. They don't know what style they're going to get. So I agree with you. That's changing and we're getting better at describing our style and, and saying, okay, this is this kind of style of Syrah versus this kind of style of Syrah. So we're getting better at communicating it. And I think we're getting better at making a more balanced wine. Also, uh, I know at Walla Walla Vintners from the get go. And I think, um, We actually, I think I give a little bit of credit to Cave Vintners in this case. We were always, uh, when we first started making Syrah, uh, we knew Charles at Cave Vintners. his, His idea or approach was to always use less oak on Syrah. To have like maybe, if you did 10 barrels of Syrah, you'd have one barrel of new oak. And the other nine would be anywhere from neutral to maybe one or two. You, you you know, one or two fill barrels. In other words, only one new oak barrel.
0: And that allows um, really, be, because Syrah is truly a very aromatic and um, a grape with many uh, faces and personalities that, you know, if you don't mask it with oak, you get a chance to see them like we see in this class. And the roasted meats and the, mm-hmm. the smoke and the game and the savory, is, it's really
1: interesting wine. Yeah, I, I and I agree with that approach. We've always stayed with that. And, uh, in fact, I, you know, I... I I always consider, even though we've been around 20 years, I, I don't consider Walla Walla Vintners to be, let's say, at the forefront of, of uh we're not pioneers in the in the uh the Syrah world, obviously. But our winemaker Bill, who you mentioned earlier, he did work at K Vintners for a couple of years and he loves Syrah. He's like a Syrah guy. And I think he really appreciated us putting the two acres of Syrah in so that he could play around with doing Syrah, and he really loves to do Syrah and work with it and I think he's got the same approach you know over the years we've learned that don't don't mask the Syrah with with too much new oak and uh, it ages well in oak and you want to put it in oak to age it but you don't need that much new oak
0: yeah you about. don't need to add flavor like like Merlot yeah. can take the the cream and the toast the coconut the, and those flavor notes from oak um, but this wine is is really a delicious wine that Again, we'll age, and I'm really enjoying it. I just poured myself more wine, everybody. Um, speaking with Gordy Venneri of Walla Walla Vintners here. What is this wine,
1: run? And this is a wine club only wine, or is this on the website? This wine is on the website. Um, it was a wine that we did put in the wine club for some wine club members, but then we also sold a little bit of it in the tasting room. It was $40 retail.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a stellar bottle of wine, and I understand that... Um, you know, this is probably on the higher end of your wines. You probably have the Sagemore Cab, Vineyard Selector, which is the you have a high end yeah. Cab
1: too. Yeah, we have a we, we make a Sagemore single vineyard Cabernet that is uh, the '11 vintage is $44, and then we, in some years when uh, when everything comes together. We make a reserve-style Cabernet, which we call our Vineyard Select Cabernet Sauvignon. And it's usually a $48 wine. So this is one of our higher-end wines for Walla wall vendors.
0: Yeah, and it's a delicious wine. And what I like about Gordy uh, it looks like you've paid most of your overhead off. <laughs> and so your wines are still uh, very reasonable. Uh, uh, one time, you were um, someone had uh, nicknamed you the Baby Leonetti. Which uh, obviously must be a um, a compliment for sure, um, but in actuality, you have a relationship. There's some lineage and connectivity
1: with Gary Figgins. Well, there's yeah, there's two things there. Uh, number one, uh, you're right. There, my grandfather I mentioned came from Southern Italy, Calabria, where there's a little village about the size of Waitsburg, Washington, which is right outside of Walla Walla, a little tiny town here outside of Walla Walla. This town in southern Italy was called Serra and uh, it's hard to believe, but Gary Figgins's great-great-great-grandmother and my great-great-great-grandmother were sisters. And the family name in those days was Rizzuti, which you, you, I think that's a pretty common Italian name, you know, and a lot of towns have people named Rizzuti, uh, and there's been some people back east, you know, famous sports people with that name. Um, but... I think the uh, that's one thing, but the other thing was was when we first started making wine in 95, uh, the winemakers were very helpful in the Walla Walla Valley, the the winemakers that were around. And when we started making homemade wine, excuse me, in the 80s, we would ask people like Gary Figgins and, and Rick Small and the wineries that were here before us, you know, we would ask them questions and they were very forthcoming in helping us. So I think that... Maybe one of the things we did want to do is, and everybody in those days in 95, if you started a winery, you wanted to emulate those guys. You wanted to emulate Woodward Canyon and Leonetti and make those kind of wines. So I think maybe we got the baby Leonetti. A lot of people don't know. I do have a, a distant relationship with Gary Figgins and Rusty and those guys, the, the Figginses and, and Chris, of course, now. But, uh, but also we made those types of wines. Those were the types of wines that we started making. Too in those days. So that's a good.
0: That's not a bad wine to emulate. And
1: obviously, you've
0: uh, embarked on a path far-reaching. Um, you're up to five thousand cases, and I think what. Six nine, ten different wines?
1: Yeah, we, we make quite a few different wines. We have fun trying different things and playing around with different kinds of wines. So yeah, it varies. But yeah, right now we're pouring eight wines in the tasting room. And the tasting room is by appointment only, or are you open on the weekends? or We're open on Friday afternoon and Saturdays just for walking in. And then other times during the week, uh, Monday through uh, the rest of the week, uh, by appointment.
0: Cool. And uh, again, you can check out all of this, uh, the wines and find information about Walla Walla Vintners at wallawallavintners.com. So, Gordy, you and I were at the 30th anniversary of the Walla Walla Valley wine uh, region last night at the Giza Power Theater, which was a very cool place. Looking ahead in your crystal ball, um, what do you see as the future for
1: Walla Walla Valley, or what's your prognosis, or, you know, give me your car neck. Oh, boy. I, that's not a very good question for me. Uh, I never was a guy to predict the future, to be honest with you. But I guess if I could add a little bit of, let's say, insight to that, I, I see the wine industry in Washington growing a little bit in quantity. Um, Of course, I think we're gonna have a few more wineries. I don't think it's gonna be the growth that we've had in the past, that level, but I think there's gonna be a real push for quality. And uh, not just with Walla Walla, of course, in the whole state of Washington, there's gonna be, I think now people are starting to say, look, we have quite a few wineries, let's work on quality. I know that's what we're doing at Walla Walla Vintners. We don't wanna get bigger in size, in volume, but we just wanna make better wine. How can we make better wine? where are the vineyards that are going to produce grapes that are better, that we, where we can always improve our quality. Of course, we are really high on these higher elevation sites like Up Mill Creek Road that we talked about earlier. But I think all the wineries in the state of Washington are going to be looking for sites that are going to maybe produce better fruit or have the potential to produce better fruit. Some of them might be higher elevation. Some of them might be in the rocks and lower elevation. I think it's going to run the gamut. But I think that's where the industry is, is to work on quality. It's, uh, I think everybody in the wine industry wants to make better wine, and they're always pushing themselves to have higher quality wines. So I think that's where we're going to get better. And that's probably going to happen even long after I'm gone. You know, it's, Hopefully that will keep going, you know, <laughs> and the industry will uh, be a viable industry for many years to come.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um, obviously, with all the, the newcomers, we'll call the newcomers being – um, basically with within ten years, uh, those are all the newcomers they 're just getting started and they 're learning their fruit sources and they 're understanding how their house style um, influences the wine and, and, and sales and what their brand represents and When you open a bottle of x y z wall wall wine you 're going to enjoy you know ABC. Um, I think uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be. Uh, it's always about quality because quality a gets you more. It's more money for a
1: bottle, <laughs> right? And and I think that's where you go. I think you. I think once you get to a certain point in any industry, it, it becomes about quality, not quantity. And uh, the other exciting thing about Washington State, even though we celebrated, well, just let's say the Walla Walla AVA last night, 30 years of being an AVA. Um, in the wine world, that's relatively small that's that's not very long and it's exciting that we have some maturity now as an industry but what's really exciting that we're still young enough that we can you know i always say uh the next grape vineyard might not even be planted yet i mean there's so much land in washington state there's so many sites that don't have grapes on them that they that could be the Lafitte Rothschild of Washington state, for example, or the Latosh or whatever. I mean, there might be a site here that nobody's even thought of that 10, 20 years from now might be declared the best place in the world to grow whatever. That's that's what makes the industry exciting is we're still in that point. Uh, No, uh, not to make any kind of, uh, I don't want this to be taken as a disparaging Europe, but when you go to Europe, there's no place else to plant grapes all the land a lot of the land has already been planted into grapes there's and it's wonderful and there's some wonderful wines there but there's no new land available in our state and it, there's still lots of ground if we look outside the window here at the chan family uh household here there's wheat ground and bare ground yeah. there, where that could be the next grape vineyard. We don't know, but that's what makes this industry exciting. And that's what makes winemaking exciting in Washington state is that that potential could be there.
0: We're still the wild west in many ways. It, It
1: is. It is when it comes to winemaking and grape growing, we're still the wine, the wild west, but. We're not infants, either, and that's reassuring. You know we're out of our diapers in that sense that uh, we're not so young that we're making all the mistakes that maybe we made when we were children, you know as an industry. So we are some... well
0: read and, and well versed in uh, enology. In fact, we can uh, we owe a big uh, a thanks to the uh, Center for Enology here in Walla Walla as a, um, an institution that helps provide uh, capable and competent winemakers and uh, people who are interested in pursuing their dreams in crushing grapes and fermentation.
1: Yeah, it, that's a wonderful facility to have. Both uh, Miles and I are self-taught winemakers, and both Bill and Judah are director of vineyard operations, who also worked at Long Shadows for three years. Both of them are graduates of the Walla Walla Community College uh, program for enology and viticulture so I always tell them they're a lot smarter than Miles and I and uh, because they had a formal education in winemaking where Miles and I did everything out of a book and by asking you know asking advice from friends granted they were Gary Figgins from Leonetti Cellars and Rick Small but uh, at the same time they have a lot more uh, in-depth background on winemaking that uh, if I had to do it over I would love to have that kind of background and that kind of education.
0: Well, you can scrub barrels still and <laughs> ferment, fermenters. Well, Gordy Veneri, thanks so much for joining me um, for our In the Vineyard series here on Happy Hour Radio. Hope you enjoyed it.
1: Thank you very much. Oh, I had a great time. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, cheers. I appreciate, well, cheers to that. Yeah, appreciate being uh, the invitation. My pleasure. Thanks, Gordy.